You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, your host as always. Pleasure to be here. Shankers is joining me as always every week. How are we doing, Shankers? I am good, mate. Thanks. No worries. We've got, we've not got Wilson again, but we've got a sob in Callum. Callum, what's happening? <laughs> not much, mate. So I'm good. I'm good. And we've got a very special guest. Delighted to say we're joined by the current Stenhouse Muir manager, a legend of Scottish football, Davey Irons. Davey, it's a pleasure to welcome you on to the show. Thanks very much for joining us. No, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks no for that introduction. No worries. How are you, <laughs> how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, good. Good. Yeah, interesting to see how this next uh, chat goes with everybody. But I am fine. I'm fine, thanks. Obviously, uh, you're at Stenhouse Mule just now, and obviously before the season get get suspended, as we're sitting sixth in the league. But how did you feel? The how did you feel you were getting on up until that point, and what was the kind of reaction when the season gets suspended? Um, we're doing okay. I'd, Bit inconsistent, obviously, going by us. I think we've won three, drawn three, and lost three, so we're kind of a bit inconsistent. But um, we're really struggling with injuries as well, to be fair. So this lockdown might, if we do come back and play, it might actually be a bonus for us. But um, I wasn't overly surprised when the, we get pulled again. It's, it'd been muted, I think, a week or two previously. So when they did decide to stop it, I thought. It actually saved us a trip to Peterhead on the Tuesday night, so I wasn't complaining. <laughs> Brilliant. We've just got a wee announcement as well, just before we start. We've we've had a, there's a, the last couple of hours, we've, we've had some news from the, the West of Scotland Football League about the what the plans are for the season. Shankers, I just want to get your, can I, just if you want to fill us in, just what the, what the statement says and what the, what the ramifications will be with that? Uh, basically, I've just had a, kind of, a brief read through it. It's almost as if they said that the, the fixtures that they've got in place for the, obviously, which was going to be for the coming months to the end of the season, they're withdrawing the, the fixtures and they're going to drop a, a new set of fixtures that will take them to a point where they feel that that's enough to declare a team champions. The, the way it looks as if they're, they're going to try and get at least 50% of the, of the season played and then the, the title will be decided basically on a points per game basis, which what they did last year um, as well. But obviously, it was the stage was uh, the the league was moored uh, into a later stage. Uh, but uh, I'm sh- I'm sure uh, the boys, uh, the teams that are in the league, will just be happy to try and get some football played. But I'm not sure if it's if it's practical under the the current circumstances. I mean, the team that's that's sitting top of the league, the new Clyde Bank, they've They've played four games. They've won all four games, but four games played uh, in coming into February mm. uh, in a league season isn't isn't really too great. So what would happen? So would that mean a lot of kind of fixture congestion just to get the season? Well, one of the things uh, was in the statement: if the game is off at the weekend due to a problem with the pitcher, whatever pitcher is not playable, the the fixture they get called off. They'll we need to try and play it within. 11 days, I think it was, uh, which, well, I don't know whether, say, teams don't have floodlights or something, they can't maybe play it on a Wednesday night or whatever. I don't know how they're going to work with that, but it looks as if they could be 
a lot of fixtures. They get played in a, a short space of time. David, what would your kind of thoughts be on that? See if that was the kind of avenue the the SPFL went down to get the, the League One and League Two resumed. How would you kind of feel about that if that was the, the avenue they went down? I don't think I'd be too chuffed, to be honest. I think I think to, when you start the season, you expect it to finish. And if you can't finish it for whatever reason, um, and it was probably a bit controversial, either make it null and void or maybe the best way as they did it last year as a points per game basis. But it's really, it's, it's unfair on every single club. I mean, you saw the teams that suffered last year in the senior level with Hearts and Arctic Thistle particularly. Um, getting relegated on the back of the points total that they were given per game, but it's never nobody's not everybody's going to be happy whatever they decide to do. But you know, if if they've only played four games in a league and they're expected to play another, I don't know how many games, 15, 14, 15 games in a short space of time, it's going to put a huge demand on on the squad, the resources, you know part-time clubs as well, you know, there's guys working, you know, it's going to be difficult to get getting guys off their work at times, you know, so I don't think there's a, there's a perfect answer for any of it, you know, but you know, whatever the outcome will be, you've just got to go with it and you've got to give put your trust in the authorities and say, right, well, if that's what you're making your decisions on, then we'll go with it, but um, I'm quite sure it'll, never, it'll not please everybody, regardless what they decide. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to look at the results over the weekend. We'll start with two games in the SP, SPFL Premiership. Rangers continued their dominance with a 5-0 win over Ross County and Aberdeen picked up a 2-0 win over Motherwell. We'll start off at Ibrox, Callum. I'll get you in on this. But where did you think of Rangers' performance yesterday? I thought they were very good. Uh, I watched the game yesterday. Um, I thought they played a lot, more, a lot more quicker. I don't know how you feel about that. I think Aribo, uh, Kent and Morelos played quite quick together. Um, I think they struggled last weekend. I think Aribo played a lot deeper last week. Uh, obviously, it's a big, it's a big miss not having Arfield and not having a, a Jack in that in the team and Ruth. But I think they played really well yesterday. Uh, obviously, five different scorers in the game. Uh, obviously, a big boost for them all to keep getting goals and keep getting confidence because they're on some run at the moment. But uh, I thought they were very pleasing yesterday to watch and very good to watch yesterday. So I very impressed with them yesterday. Shankers, what did you think? You were obviously 150 games for Gerard. As Callum says, five different goal scorers. It was a pretty dominant performance. It couldn't have been any easier, could it? Aye, it was almost the, the perfect performance. Five goals, five different scorers. Clean sheet, a lot of good individual performances. Uh, one that stuck out for me was Hadji. I think he's done really well to get back in the team and, and be a mainstay after he was he was missing for... No, missing, but he wasn't in the team a lot at the start of the season and he's He's almost worked to get back in it, and it's. I, I think I don't think there's a question about his his technical ability, but there was a, a lot of folk. I, I know when he first signed, there was the press were saying about his work rate and that, and in the uh, where he played before. But that's one of the things I've been impressed with. He sees off the ball, he, he works so hard for the team. Now I don't know whether that's been something that why a reason why he wasn't playing at the the beginning of the season, but but he's he's gonna uh, he's gonna be a mainstay in, in the Rangers team now, and it'll be hard to. Hard to get him out of it, but Aribo, Hadji, defensive clean sheet, goals in Hollander on, on the score sheet. Uh, Gerard will be, will be pleased with yesterday's workout. David, how impressed have you been with Rangers this season and how kind of dominant they've been? And do you see any any cracks in the the way they're kind of playing? Is there any 
sign that this team could could blow up? No, I mean I've been. I think like most people, you've been you you've got to take your hat off to the way Rangers have gone about their business. I think they've certainly from this time last year they've really kicked on. I think they've been Stephen Gerrard and his coaching staff have got them playing in a, a shape and a system. You know, they're obviously they're unbeaten this year. Um, he's, they've got a real strength in their squad. When you look at who's, I think one or two names have already been mentioned, like to, you know, Brian Jack, for example, came back yesterday for first game in a long time. So, And they've got such a load of quality sitting waiting to come on, Jermaine Defoe, people like that. But I think they could really threaten Celtic's invincible you know, season in the league. I think Rangers could quite conceivably go through the season unbeaten. Um, albeit last week, they got a wee scare against Motherwell. Um, I mentioned that because my two sons are Motherwell fans, so they were <laughs> they, they were gutted when Rangers equalised. Still say it was offside, but um, but no, I think I think been superb. Um, obviously, Celtic's problems have probably just made Rangers even stronger. You know, with the way they've gone about their business quietly. You know, Celtic seem to have been taking all the all the back and all the stick well, Rangers are just going through the motions winning week in week out to be honest I did expect Ross County to be a tougher opponent for them especially after the last week's victory over Aberdeen but mm-hmm. um, obviously Rangers have just brushed them aside and um, scored five goals and very convincing definitely another game as well in the Premiership Aberdeen won 2 now against Motherwell Hoban and Conchie didn't get the goals the game kind of changed after the red card, but it's a big boost for Aberdeen, as you say, getting that win after a, a poor result last week. We'll move on to the League Cup semi-final. Davey as well, like how St. Johnson beat Hibs 3-0. We'll start with the one yesterday. How big an achievement was that for Callum Davidson and how how much will confidence will he take from a win like that against a, a big team like Hibs? Oh, massive. I think Callum's he'll be absolutely delighted as with the whole club. Um, I think credit to Callum. He's taken on the job and I think he's quietly put his own stamp on the team and I think I did listen to the game I was working last night but I was listening to the game on the radio it seemed like Hibs were quite dominant the first half but St Johnson got in front and then the second half obviously scored another two goals but no I'm delighted for Callum I've known Callum for a long long time and he's a he's a really good guy and I think he he's he's putting his own stamp on his team and you know I was to say though it looks like it could be a Livingston in the final, but you know I wouldn't like to say who could win that one. But no, I'm delighted for Callum and, and St. Johnson. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Callum, what did you think of Hibs' performance? I know you, you texted me last night saying you, you thought it was a, a poor performance for Hibs. I, I think David uh, said it there. Uh, how I, I think Hibs had a, a chance for Jamie Murphy in the, the, I think it was open 10, 15 minutes of the game. Uh, he looked as if they could score. Uh, but no, they looked quite, uh, quite threatening in the opening half an hour of the game. Uh, then in the second half I thought St Johnson really came into the game started to play some good football um, Hibs struggled a wee bit I think with Hibs uh, with St Johnson sorry um, how they played they kind of played against Rangers the way they, they played against Rangers they were kind of in, 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 in compact um, but no I think uh, I think Hibs will be disappointed uh, with the way they started the game and obviously not to get the early goal but uh, no I thought Hibs in the second half were very poor and then obviously St Johnson came in played very well but no I think I was a bit disappointed. Shankers as well. It looks as if it's going to be Livingston in the final. Did you, ever, did you think at the start of the season the League Cup final would be St. Johnson against Livingston? 
No, I, d- I don't think anybody could have told you that. Uh, spe- especially with Rangers, uh, what going on and and went playing so well throughout the season and and got a and when Celtic went out, a lot of folk were a but I put Rangers favourites to win it, but it just shows you once once one of the old fun teams out, uh, everybody gets a wee bit of confidence. And remember Livingston's form getting into this game just now. Uh, it's still one 0 at the moment, but uh, they would have been confident getting into this game. And and I think all four teams would have probably fancied themselves uh, quietly. Uh, they wouldn't be going out and, and shouting it, but I think all four teams deep down in the dressing rooms know that that they this is a chance for them to to go and win a major competition. We've just got a wee question as well about Rangers. I just want to go through it. What is everybody's thoughts in this Rangers team? Are they could they go the season unbeaten? Start with Shankers. Well, I don't see why no. Uh, the signs that they've, they've got so far, uh, as as David said, I'd be scared at Motherwood and that. But uh, just the amount of clean sheets that they're keeping and, and scoring goals. Last few seasons they've been reliant on Morelos' goals a lot. Uh, but everybody's yesterday five different scorers. There's, there's goals coming from all over the pitch. Defenders scoring for set pieces. Uh, Aribo, players like that chipping in with goals. So I don't see what uh, any reason why they can't. But uh, the, the way they're playing the new, it's everybody's cup final to, to go to Rangers and, and that'll be a wee incentive for them to, to try and uh, go and beat them and, and knock them off the, this unbeaten run at the moment. Definitely. Callum, any questions you want to ask about anything? I know you, you said to me a few questions. Uh, I, I did have a question earlier on, but I forgot it now. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking earlier on, do you think that uh, Morelos has done enough to still to maintain a move? Like so next uh, this season coming up for this season, I know the last couple of seasons before then he scored amazing goals in Europe and stuff, but do you think he actually now like deserves a big move like to maybe the English Premiership or the Spanish League? Do you think he deserves a big big money move or is he, or is his price went down after his performances this season? That's to everyone. Eh, what do you think, David? You, that's, I think that's quite a good point because I, I think there is a different Morelos to last last couple of seasons, but we'll give that to you, David. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's a different Morelos. I think probably most importantly, his temperament's improved. You know, he's, he was always one of these lads you can imagine playing against him in the easy wind-up, you know, and get him sent off and getting into his head so, but he certainly seems to have changed the way he goes about his football it's probably down to Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister basically telling him he'll need to change but is he good to be a premiership in England I don't know I'm not I'm not 100% convinced he is um, don't get me wrong you look at Lyndon Dykes going down to QPR in the championship and doing reasonably well there so I maybe. Maybe I'm well off the mark when I say I don't think Morelos would go to a top premiership side in England, but uh, I'm quite sure Rangers, the way they're playing and the way they're going, would be quite happy to keep them anyway. I think the pressure to sell them is probably not there this time. I think Rangers are, they seem to have got their financial situations on track and stable, so there probably is no real pressure to sell Morelos, whereas a couple of years ago there might have been. But um, no, it'll be interesting to see if anybody would throw a, a wee uh, dangle a 15, 20 million pound offer to, to Rangers to see what they do with it. Let's see. Let's Definitely. Would you, you take him at 10th house more, David? <laughs> 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 nah, nah, he probably wouldn't get in my team, to be honest. 
Yeah. What do you think, Shankers? Do you think, I, I know you've you've been quite vocal in how how impressed you've been with Morelos kind of this season playing a kind of deeper role, but I think that's that's a lot of folk are, are going on about his performance because the, he's not got the same goal return, but I think he's he's taken a lot of that out of his game by trying to come and link it up. Whether I think that's that's his game, I don't I don't think so. I think he's I don't the word maybe raw. I don't think he's really technically gifted, but I think he's more a a player that plays between the eighteen yard box and gets in the box for goals. I don't think he's one of the players that drops deep and link links it up. I think he's better playing on the on the shoulder. And you seen the old fun game. He got the the best uh, thing he done. He took. Uh, near beat on in behind and, and he had to bring him down that's that's the game that, that I prefer to see him playing taking defenders into corners and, and playing in the penalty box rather than coming deep and try to affect the game that way I think he's better affecting the game when he's when he's higher up the pitch but is I think just because teams know no matter what, what his performances are like now see just because teams know he can, he can go and score 15-20 goals a season I think that is that is an asset for them but I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know whether foreign football would maybe something better than than good into England. I'm not sure. I think he's tailor made for kind of foreign football. I just don't think he's a the Premier League's kind of his his style. But we'll we'll touch him. We've got a few fan questions later on in the show. We'll touch on a few things. A few things about Celtic Rangers. There's a few questions we've got. But we'll we'll move on to our special guest, David Irons. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on, David. Just a a thing as well. Obviously, he's a great career as a player with spells of like Aird and Fairland, Partick and Gretna. What was your kind of favourite memories for your playing career? Um, I was probably lucky enough to win a couple of champ, well, one championship, one promotion um, as a player, and a lot of success with Gretna, as you probably talk about as we go on. But just playing at playing in the Premier League was just a, probably my my greatest memories as a player. You know, I played there with a number of teams. Clyde Bank was one of the teams that actually when I signed for Clyde Bank they were in the Premier League yeah. all these years ago I now mentioned, mentioned them they're playing in the West of Scotland Junior League but they were actually a Premier League club um, they, when I signed for them in, back in 1985 86 around about then so so it was good to play there went to Dunfermline Thistle St Johnston all my clubs that I played where I was fortunate enough to play it against some really good players and with some really good players as well. So, uh, a lot of happy memories and these podcasts, I've done a couple now and it's nice to remember your career and people talking about it and asking you about it. So, for all the pandemics being a nightmare, it's, it's also given us a chance to reflect and look back and talk about um, games and players and teammates and stuff. So, um, but no, I, I enjoyed my playing career. As I say, it was a it was an honour to play it in the Premier League and play with a lot of good players. Brilliant. Who were some of the good players you, you came across? And what was the kind of best stories you've got for dressing rooms and things like that? I it's a lot of stories. I'm quite sure <laughs> some that can't be mentioned. But playing wise, um, in the 80s and the 90s, there was some really Scotland's. I mean, my, my debut at Ibrox, Graham Souness, Ray Wilkin. You know, Richard Goff, McCoy, you're playing against guys like that. Celtic had Paul McStay, you know, John Collins. Dundee United had, you know, the some really good players. McKinley. Um, 
David Bowman, Jim McAnally, you know, Duncan Ferguson, Hearts of John Robertson, Hibbs, you know, the Mickey Weir, you know, just players that were just really good footballers, you know, and every club at that time had internationalists as well in the Premier League, you know, and you know, even Motherwell, St. Martin, Dundee, you know, there was lots of good players and they all had attracted foreign players, attracted English players. I remember uh, Graham Ricks, who England international playing with Dundee. Yeah. Um, Motherwell, St. Mern had Victor, Spanish captain, Stevie Archibald, you know, guys like that coming and playing in the Premier League. It was brilliant. And then even towards the end of my career, the Rangers had Loudrop, Gascoigne, Celanio, you know, it was just, I used to have some sleepless nights on the Friday night thinking about playing against some of these guys. But, but no, they were, they were tremendous football players. And I think like the, the standard of Scottish football then, I'm not saying it isn't good now, but the standard then was really, really good. Yeah. You know, and the Rangers, particularly, I mean, the, the year Rangers got to this, what was the semi-final of the Champions League, I know it was the old format, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, after we played, when I was at Thistle, we we beat Thistle, we beat Rangers that year, you know. So mm-hmm. um, that just shows. Was that when they didn't beat Marseille? Football. Yeah, that was the season. Uh-huh. That was the year, the Champions League season. Ninety-two, was yeah. that ninety-two, ninety-three? Yeah. 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 And then obviously you were into management with Anne. Ninety-two, ninety-three. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously you were into management with uh, your first management job with Anne and Athletic. How how good was that job? Just to get into to manage. Did you always plan to get into management of that when you were playing? Um, I'd done my coaching badges over the years. Uh, done all my to my A license at that point. I then subsequently gone and done my pro license. But at that time, um, I'd been. I was actually working for the SFA as a community coach as well. So I coached. Uh, management hadn't hadn't really considered it. But then when I moved back down to Dumfries, um, Annan asked me if I'd go and play as a player. I think I was about. 39, 40 at the time. I thought, oh, I'll go and play. And then I think a couple of weeks after I was there, the manager, um, they started to manage and they asked me, I thought, why not? I'll give it a go. And it was it was great. We had some really good players. Um, Ryan McGuffey and Colin McMenamin both yeah. came through the system at Annan when I was there. And um, that was a real, a real thrill to see these two lads driving them down to Newcastle and Newcastle United from a... At that time, Annan were still in the East of Scotland League. So that was... Pick up two boys at that level to go straight... I know they never actually played first team, but you know, to actually get signed by a premiership club was huge. It was Bobby Robson at the time, and Newcastle were... They were one of the big teams then. Yeah. I know they're struggling now, but at, those, at that time, I think they were in the top six in the Premier in England. What a... What a move for the two lads, and that that was that was the biggest thrill I ever got from my time at Annan was seeing these two lads going and make a career for themselves at a Premiership club. Brilliant! You went into Gretna, obviously, we were around Alexander. What was what was it like at the start at Gretna? When obviously we'll touch on Brooks Nelson later on, but see when you it was in League Two, this when you won League Two and you got to the Scottish Cup final. How good was that run at the start? <sighs> It was incredible. Uh, I mean, when we first went to Gretna, I signed just before we had our very first league. It was the old third division then against Morton. It was the opening game of the season. Um, 
that was just we we're just a part-time club, just finding their way. That first season, they think they finished sixth in the league, and then the following season, Brooks took over. Brooks actually came in and bought the club, and then the season after that, we club division. Then we got promoted, got into the second, won the second division that year that we got to the cup final. That was that was an amazing amazing year. We got to the cup final on the back of. Um, beating Dundee in the semi-final. Mm-hmm. Um, the other final was a Hearts-Hibs. Sorry, the semi-finals, Hearts and Hibs. So a bit like this year's League Cup, the, the old firm were knocked out. So yeah. when they both went out the competition, it's I think Shanks have said that it was, everybody gets a kick from that and all of a sudden it becomes a more open tournament because normally it's an old firm win. If they're in it, they go and win it, don't they? But it becomes so open. And then we got into the final and we were also it was before our league finished uh, sorry our league had finished but the Premier League was still going on and then we realised Hearts had qualified for the Champions League by finishing second in the Premier League which meant we were in the UEFA Cup even before we played the Cup Final so for yeah. <laughs> a second division team to get into the Cup Final be already in the UEFA Cup it was just absolutely amazing and then, obviously, the season after that was when, when you know, things started to unravel. Rowan Alexander leaves. I don't know. Sorry, he doesn't leave. Was, it, did he, was there an argument between him and Brooks? Was, what was the story? Why did he, yeah. you become the manager? It was, it was a bit of a... became a bit of a soap opera at times. There was always dramas at Gretna. Every day there was something going on. But um, that year, first of all, it's championship now, but the old first division, we were... We were not, we're top of the league. One that it was close. Well, saying at the time it was close. We lost a we lost a home game to Queen of the South, and after the game there'd been a bit of a bit of an argument in the dressing room. Just like most every club has them. You know, you lose games, boys are unhappy, things are said. Um, a few choice words were said, but then after the game, Brooks asked, actually asked myself and Rowan and Mick Wadsworth, who was the director of football, to go down to his house in Carlisle. Um, and we sat in a chat and Brooks decided to ask Rowan to take a break because he felt he was struggling. felt he was struggling with stress and the pressure of it all. So, so Rowan agreed with Brooks's suggestion. Um, and I remember driving back with Rowan and I said, listen, you're off for a week. Just take a week off, but you've got to come back after a week. But that week, was all, it was extended, kept getting extended. And uh, eventually, I get asked to take over caretaker. Uh, I think I had about, I can't remember, maybe eight, nine games of the season left. So I get put in charge to try and get over the line, um, which was difficult. And there was other things going on. There was, um, as I say, it was a bit of a drama at the time, but there was loads of, always something going on behind the scenes. But anyway, on the pitch, we managed to go over the line, albeit. By the skin of our teeth. Um, it's, it's one of the days I think you'll, you'll always remember. Uh, scoring, uh, you scored in the last minute. You pips and Johnson oh. to the league. What was the, what was the reaction? I remember the, the photo of you running, running along the touchline, but that's it's must be one of your favourite memories in football. It was, and to go, it was the two extremes. I'd gone from. I, I remember looking at my watch and thinking there was like two minutes to go. We knew St. Johnson had finished because our game had been delayed because of an incident on the, the bridge between Inverness and the Black Isle. 
So we we didn't kick off till about maybe five, ten past three. So St Johnson had finished, they had won. They were sitting. We needed we needed to win at that point. And it was two two. And I remember looking at my watch and thinking, we've blown it. Then I looked up and I saw we had the ball on the far side in Ross County and um, a ball got diagonal into the box and Davy Graham had take it, took a touch and I thought, is he going to shoot? But never, he decided to take a touch, squared it and James Grady scored literally the last kick of the game. Well, it wasn't quite the last kick of the game because it bedlam. So the referee would re- He started after orations. Ross County goes straight up the park and get a corner. And then from the corner, the guy, I can't remember, the centre half, I can't remember who it was, wind the header. And it's, I'm right behind it, looking onto it, and I think that's going in. And then Zibby Malkowski, who was a goalkeeper, saved it. And at that point, I thought, oh, just blow the whistle. And literally, the referee blew the whistle after the, Zibby kicked the ball up the park. And it was, it was more relief more than anything. I think the whole, the whole season had been such a stressful season for everybody. Gretna had become a bit of a a media darling. Everybody wanted to know what was going on at Gretna. There were always stories coming out of Gretna. Brooks then had also decided he had to start to curb the wage bill a bit and move players on. And so it was such a difficult, difficult place to be. But it was brilliant. The experiences were great. I'll never forget them. We were successful. Um, but it was I it took its toll on a number of people. Um, the club changed dramatically when we won the league. I remember sitting in the bus with a trophy coming back down the road for Dingwall and thinking, what have we done? Mm-hmm. We had no stadium. We couldn't play our games at home. We had no stadium. We had to go and play at Motherwell. Mm-hmm. Brooks had decided we had to change the way the club worked. And so instead of signing, we'd been successful with the signings we made. We signed a really good player, Stevie Tosh, David Bingham, uh, Derek Townsley, Alan Main. You know, you name it, the boys that had played at the top level. And they were getting well rewarded for it. Um, however, Brooks decided that had to change. We had to start bringing younger players through. And with that, we lost a lot of the experience and know-how of the Scottish game. And hence, we struggled the year we were in the Premier League. Yeah. And what was, obviously, like, Brooks Miles, whenever you mention the name Gretna, you think of Brooks Miles. And what was your kind of relationship like with Brooks and how... how Good a character was he to know? Incredible man. He was an absolutely incredible man. He just he was so he was so dedicated to Gretna. He just loved being around the club. He, he would be in every day. He'd be he would do all sorts. He'd make he'd make lunch for the players. He'd come in on a Saturday and make pre match meals. He just loved being around the club. Um, he was he just I remember him with him one day right back quite near the start of it all, and he said, I want to challenge, I want to get this club into the Premier League. And sure enough, he did it. And he wanted to, he did it against all the odds. You know, he didn't go into boardrooms, he sat with his pals in, in the terracing or stood in the terracing or in the stands. He never went into any boardrooms. He didn't like any of that kind of stuff. He was just a fan who loved being involved. He said, he wasn't being glazier about it, but he said, some millionaires buy a yacht and enjoy it. He said, I wanted to, I just want to enjoy my football with a wee club and see where we can go. And and with that, he brought a lot of people together and he did a lot of good work in the communities. That's 
people don't really remember much, but he set up free coaching schools for all the primary schools in Dumfries and Galloway. You know, he, he, was, he employed a number of people, not just in the football club, but from the community side as well. And he was just such a, such a nice, gen, generous to a fault. I mean, he was, nothing was too, ever too difficult for him. He would always find us, there was never a problem too big. He says, we'll always find a solution to our problems. And uh, as I say, he was just such a, such a gentleman. Um, spend hours just sitting talking to him. He was such an interesting man. He'd been a, he'd actually been a runner when he was younger and he broke his back and he had, he made him more determined than ever to come back and he actually raced against Brendan Foster. I don't know if you guys right, are probably okay. too young. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. might be a bit young, but he, he actually raced against Brendan Foster um, and beat him and that was after breaking his back when he was a kid. So, I think that's where his ambition and desire came from but, an amazing man, an amazing man, and and I know that he got his his critics would say about getting a buying their way to Premier League and stuff. Which, listen, I'm not going to argue. We did to a point, but at the same time, you can only you can only beat who's put in front of you. And the boys have been put on the part, and you guys have been in football. You'll know it's you've still got to win games. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you've got. You know you've still got to win games, and he created an atmosphere at a club and. They just had an incredible journey. And see, I've, I, obviously, when you went into the Premier League, like you, and then the kind of administration set in, like, were you, were you saddened by how it kind of ended? And what was, what do you think was a big kind of factor for the, the reason that kind of all kind of went down towards the end? I think the biggest, right away, I think I touched on it earlier, the biggest thing was playing at Motherwell. Mm-hmm. Right away, we had the heart ripped out of the club. I mean, to, if we had played our games at Radio, Okay, might have only had three thousand at the games, but they'd have been full every single week. And we guarantee we'd have got more points playing at home. Yeah, there's no no question. But to go straight up to Motherwell right away, we had no connection with the club. It was just a stand and just a stadium we we're using. And to expect the people to travel from Gretna every other week to watch us right away was that was going to kill us. It was never going to happen. So I think from that day on, it was that was start the downfall you know we, financially it was becoming harder for Brooks to keep funding the club um, you know we're obviously struggling on the pitch at that time we've, you know we tried to change the club and bring in younger players and it just wasn't happening for us and ultimately um, Brooks actually took ill mm-hmm. seriously ill and at that point his family his wife and his sons decided that uh, they weren't going to fund the club anymore they took the decision out of Brooks's hands because he was seriously ill. And uh, once Brooks pulled out of the club, it was never going to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was February, March time they went into administration. And then uh, you you left and went on to Morton. What was your spell like at Morton? Ah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think to go from the, the extreme of having a chairman who was absolutely fully supportive of you well Brooks he wasn't the chairman but he was the owner but he he was brilliant he supported me in everything that I did I could speak to him and we'd have length conversations lasting for hours and he was just such a knowledgeable and experienced man to go from that to a different type of chairman at Morton uh, Douglas Ray who was very much a 
dictator is maybe a bit harsh and a bit strong, but he, he just loved to, he was, he wanted to control everything. And uh, I found that difficult. I found that really difficult considering where I'd come from. But the challenge I keep Morton in the first, in the championship, that was my first job. And I think we had 10 games left. We were bottom of the league and they managed to stay up in the last game of the season. So, and then the second, the one full season I had, I think with three games left, we could still got promoted, but ultimately we didn't. And uh, we finished in a bit of a downer, but I thought we'd, I thought I'd really improved the club. We'd moved us forward, but um, it was a difficult club to work at. As I say, Douglas Ray wanted to pick the team. He wanted to make substitutions, you know, who to sign. And, um, so I, it was a difficult club to work at. And I think recently you've seen there's, there's significant changes at Morton mm-hmm. um, and hopefully it'll be for the better because they've got a real there's a real potential down there I know everybody says fan bases and all that but Morton generally has got potential to be a a, a decent sized club when you look at Hamilton St Mirren North County there's no reason why Morton couldn't be one of them but for whatever reason I think they've been held back and I'm not saying it's purely down to the previous owners but I think they did have a lot to do with it yeah Obviously, you had a career change outside of football, and you you'd spell spells it's your first spell at Stenhouse Muir, Carlisle, when you went back to Gretna, obviously with the the new club. But what was your what was your kind of feelings like after after Morton? Were you kind of happy with how kind of management was was going again? Uh, when I, I kind of lost that was a, to be honest, Morton was the first time I'd ever been sacked, so that was right. a that was that was difficult, and that was the turning point. I thought. I'm not going to have a career in football that's going to allow me to look after my family and pay my bills. So um, I decided to look at an alternative career and I joined the police. Um, and I've I've been in for 10 years and I've loved it. It's been it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. But um, And it's also allowed me to, for a period of time, I couldn't get involved in football. However, when I changed my role within the police, allowed me to get back into football and at that point I managed to get back into Stennis Muir uh, having had a spell at, at Gretna again albeit in the lower league um, Carlisle United I went. I left the police actually for a year went to Carlisle as assistant manager there but um, that didn't work out which led me to rejoin the police again so I have had been uh, <laughs> a few few dodgy decisions but I'm still here a question for Andy Rogers, your old, you used to manage him. At All right. Yeah. Ask Davy why he took me off for Kenny Duker in his last game at Steny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a decision I regret. No. <laughs> did that yeah. lead? Did that Andy lead Rogers. it to be your last Andy game? Was last game at, yeah, it was. He's a good player. Aye, it was. I think we needed to win. We, we if we won the last game, we'd have got into the playoffs. Right. Um, but I remember we got a man sent off after 10 minutes um, so we're down it's Forfer at home and Forfer beat us 1-0 and they, they picked us for the playoff um, so I, I probably should have played Andy but Andy was uh, Andy was brilliant for me at, at uh, Steny but Kenny was great Kenny Duker was a legend at Gretna I mean Kenny Duker what a career he had um, but unfortunately, when he came to Steny, I think it was the only club he could have scored goals for when I brought him to Stenhouse Muir. So, um, but aye, 
tell Andy I was wrong. I apologise. Did you manage? Did you manage Willie Lyle at Stanhousemuir? I had Willie was Willie was there when I joined. I um, Willie was captain actually. Willie mm. was the captain at Stanhousemuir, and Willie did well. Did well for me and. Um, End of, I think it was the end of my only my first season there. Willie left and went joined you at Auchinleck, and mm-hmm. it's been more successful there than it would have been at Stenhouse Muir. That's for sure. Willie Lyle gets a mention in this show every week, doesn't he? Ah, uh, he texts me. He says you need to get me in. See how like the programmes where you have to say a word, they try and poke <laughs> in your ear, try to get you to say a word. Willie tries to get me to get him and st- mention him and Stenhouse Muir in the same sentence in this show all the time. Brilliant, brilliant. Have you, Shankers, you've got some quick-fire questions for David? I've just got a couple before I ask the quick-fire questions. See, for the first period for you coming to play and to managing, what's, what do you think is the biggest change in football for your first starting managing to, to you currently managing just now? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I think the, the biggest change has been in the players and the, the attitude to players, the attitude that players have got. When I first went into management, um, players were, they still seemed to have that hunger and desire and it was it was a simple it seemed a simple game then. I know it's a long time ago when I first went to manage, but the game seems so much simpler. Now it seems to be complicated and they've got to have their under armour, they've got to have their white socks, I've got to have this. And it's just becoming it's it's just becoming such a different game. It's totally changed. Even even the way the game's played, there's no ta- hardly any tackling. You know, it's all about possession based. But the biggest thing it's definitely players' attitude, and it seems to have. I don't, and that's maybe a very general comment. It's probably not fair to say it applying to all the players, but it doesn't seem to be as important than it used to be. Players that have, was a be-all and end-all player growing up, and even when I first started, imagine it was like a Colin and Ryan that was mentioned. They would do everything to get to training and never miss a game. Now you've got to try and cajole players to get to training, and you know it's it just doesn't seem to be as important as it used to be. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just another quick one before I ask these questions. What would you say the toughest thing about that you found in management is? I, I think I've got a wee idea, but uh, you can tell me yours. The toughest thing in management. Toughest thing that you have to deal with as a manager. Maybe forecasting you what the toughest it... thing in management is. <laughs> <laughs> toughest thing I have to deal with telling boys that they're no longer getting no getting contracts. That's a that's always difficult for me to tell contracts. Um I think telling players are no playing or dropping <clears throat> players is always difficult because it's for all that you tell them, this isn't a personal, personal, you're not playing. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. They're going to look at you and they're going to hate you right away because you're <laughs> not playing, which I get. I was there myself. I'd been there myself 30 years ago. I used to hear and he never played me, you know, but from being on the, from the coach's manager's side, it's, it's a horrible thing to say, listen, lad, I'm sorry, you're not playing the day or whatever, but um, that, that 
takes up more of your time than actually dealing with the boys who are playing at times, you know. So, aye, that, aye. That's, a, that's the worst part. I had done a try to keep every player happy, so I'd say that's probably roughly the kind of aye. same answer. <laughs> um, right, just yeah. I've got five five wee quick fire questions. What did you prefer, playing and managing? Playing, absolutely playing. Uh, nothing beats playing. I'm sorry. If you could have one of these players in your team, your standout from your team, then who would it be? Messi or Ronaldo? Oh, Messi, Messi. <laughs> I know people. I had you people Ronaldo just for the like, physical oh, aspect. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, I, Messi, I thought that's Messi it, just because of the, the physical me- bit in Scottish football. I read Messi's biography, and I think that's what changed my my opinion. Not always thought he was an absolute genius, but seeing what he's had to come through to get to where he is, and leaving home and moving from Argentina to Spain, and you know, and living at, in a flat with his dad and you know it was just an incredible story not as incredible as my, if you if you add Maradona to that three <laughs> bankers, if it was Maradona Messi or Ronaldo it would be Maradona with every choice the next one is if as a player would you rather beat your your biggest rivals 5-0 or score a winner in the last minute against them Oh, I score the winner last minute. <laughs> no, that's what everybody said know, so far. You know what it's, you know what it's like. You, there's, there's no come, but there's no comeback. I mean, it's the last minute. It's a winner. There's, there's, despite what's happened in the eighty-nine minutes previously, they can't come back at you, can they? You've beaten. I know, them. I've done it against Cumbria. You know, so my ears, definitely. my ears were bleeding after it. Well, the abuse you were getting. Um, next one. <laughs> I don't I like to score in the ladder, so If you could, if looking right now, watching football the way it is, if you look at a team and, and choose which out of the current footballing teams in the world, what, what team would you like to manage? Like looking at the current squad of players, the way they play in that, who would you go all with? I would like to like to manage them for a year. Oh, that's a good question. A very good question. <laughs> that was good tonight, actually. Oh, it was Alison. That's a toughie. Um, <laughs> oh, a couple of months ago, I'd have said Liverpool. But, um, I know, no. A bit of a bad spell. No, no. Although, I think, I don't know, they're still winning 1 0. Um, no, I'd have each. to say Liverpool. <laughs> two each, no. Is it two each, is it? Um, as I said, I'd tough to say Liverpool. I'm not a Liverpool fan. I just love the way... I think they've got the balance between the possession and the, the attack, and he had it... I just think he had that perfect. But obviously, they're struggling a wee bit now, but I just thought... The way they went forward, I just loved the way they played. And the last one... This will maybe take a wee five minutes of that. In Scottish football just now, <laughs> if you could make up a... A five-a-side team, but you could only pick one player. You can't pick like two players for the same team. You can only pick one player uh, for the oh, same okay. team. Uh, a five, a wee five-a-side team. Who, who, who would you stick in that? Just off the top of your head. 
currently playing in Scotland. Aye, currently um, playing in Scotland. Right. McGregor's would have to be my goalie. I think he's he's just an incredible. I know he's getting on and but absolutely incredible goalkeeper. I think he's been a big part of Rangers' success. Mm-hmm. Um, That's you got, you've have, got a clean sheet right Cal away. McGregor. Aye, <laughs> uh, Cal McGregor. I think I think he's a a, a brilliant football. Yeah, I think he's. To be honest, I'm, as I say, I'm not either way old firm wise. I think Cal McGregor needs to move to the England. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be an absolute revelation in England. Um, so. So that's one for Rangers, one for Celtic. Um, so I don't know. Defenders, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, big. I've been really impressed. Declan Gallagher's been. I think he's been excellent for Motherwell. Mm-hmm. Um, even so much so, he's obviously got a cap. Been cap with Scotland. I thought he was brilliant in the Euro qualifiers. Um, so I think he needs to. He'd be my defender. So I've got McGregor, Gallagher. Uh, and McGregor <laughs> Callum McGregor uh, two McGregors and Gallagher so uh, up front ooh gosh struggling I'm needing two I'm needing to, I'm needing two two goals scoring tight play play Lewis Ferguson probably did have to be one of them uh, I think he's I don't think he's far away from Getting a Scotland full cap, I think he's he's pushing and pushing. Um, if I hadn't taken McGregor, I said David Turnbull just because my boys are Motherwell fans, but I can't pick, pick him because he's at Celtic now. So Lewis Ferguson and oh, I'll go for Alan Campbell just to make it a Motherwell oh, that's connection. Brilliant. So there's my five. Five-a-side team. That's me done, Scott. Brilliant. Carl, you can okay. ask her. I can go now. <laughs> <laughs> see when you see when you're talking about uh, when when Mark asked David about the the difference and obviously when you were playing, do you know obviously when Sunderson happens at Rangers and stuff and obviously when years ago when you used to things weren't going well you take them into a room and you're always talking about fighting and stuff. Do you think there's maybe a it's maybe that needs to be more in the game than now rather than like to see the likes of these players toughen up a wee bit? I know you, you talked about. Uh, the money and stuff, but do you think the money ruins it, the game, especially in England and stuff? Uh, but I know it's maybe not the same in England, but do you think that would help in the Scottish game? I think when I look back, there was some of them old style managers when I played, but they were they probably were bullies, let's be honest. The, the <laughs> word bullies not something that they, they condone, but I I mean there was a certain environments that boys would be scared to play and actually affected the way they played. Um, I know, having spoken to lads over the years, Jim McLean and Alec Ferguson, some boys would be terrified to do something wrong in a game, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. think that was a particularly healthy environment to, for players to develop. And I'm not being critical of Ferguson. Obviously, Ferguson's been on and been an absolute best ever, as Jim McLean was one of the best as well, but... I, the type of environment that they bought, you wouldn't get away with it. You need to treat people the way they were and, you know, basically had the up against the dressing room wall, but in your throat. And, um, so I, I think that football, I think from that side, I think football's got better. I think there's 
certainly significant improvements in the environments. I think I think it's a better environment for coaching the young players and for players to develop in. The money side of things, I think we'd all say the money's phenomenal in England particularly. Um, listen, I wouldn't knock it back if I got the chance to contract. <laughs> but it's be difficult for a 19... It must be difficult for a 19, 20-year-old player who's getting paid an absolute fortune to continue to be motivated. You know, I think... Gonna, I think they don't no longer need that win bonus because it doesn't matter. They're getting so well paid. In my day, the win bonus could double your wages, and that's I think that's a big change in football. I think that really made players want to win. I'm not saying they don't want to win now, but it's certainly really competitive in my day. I remember getting a win bonus at Dunfermline when they beat Hibs in the semi final. Uh, sorry, quarter final of the the League Cup. It was. It was a poor figure. It was incredible. I mean, we couldn't believe it, you know. But um, I think money—the money has gone mad. There's no doubt about that. But listen, if you're a player, you'd take it, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. We've just got time for a few more fan questions as well. We've got one from Tag Griffin, twenty-two. David, it must be strange playing in front of no fans, but have you ever caught yourself thinking, thank God nobody was in to see that? If the answer to that was yes, what happened for you to think that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably every week with my team performances, I thought, thank God nobody saw how bad we were. But, um, <laughs> no, I, to be honest, I can't remember anything specifically thinking, thank God nobody saw that, but it has been strange and I do think it's it's for the detriment of the game that we're not getting people in to watch. There's no, there's no fun for the players, really. It, it, it does, it does have an impact. There's no question. I mean, sometimes you, you think oh, it's, you get fed up listening to people shouting abuse at you, but at the same time, you know, you do miss that atmosphere that's generated by. I'm not saying we get big crowds, but even four or five hundred people generates a decent environment and decent atmosphere. So we miss it, but hopefully it'll be back sooner yeah. rather than later. But then again, when that'll be, I have no idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you want to add a chance some... Hi, how, how hard is it currently managing in the, the situation that we're, we're in now? Just we. Maybe one week you try to prepare for games and that, and then all of a sudden maybe you got a call off because somebody's no feeling well. Or, or how difficult is it to try and prepare and, and for training games stuff like that? Obviously, it's a it's a one off situation. Yeah, it's really difficult. I mean, you're you're constantly having to deal with, as you say, call offs. But we've had COVID cases. We've had boys isolating. You know, it's. One Friday nights, you're getting phone calls to say, "Oh, I've just had a, you know, track and trace. I've said I've got to isolate." So it's constant. It's a fluid situation. It's constantly changing, and it is. It's really difficult. Yeah, it really is. But you know, we're all in the same boat. I um, mean, you just got to go on with it. I mean, there's, there was a point that we had a whole back four were out with none of them had COVID, but they all had been had to self isolate because they've been in contact. So. And you end up playing your centre forward at centre half, and you know it, it was making it was making a bit of a mockery of the situation, to be honest. And I think go back to the very start of a conversation about the leagues. I do think it affects integrity of the leagues when teams can't put out their 
a full side. You know, I mean, there's Celtic have obviously the well documented Celtic had to play a very weakened team, and you know, it's it just it just takes away from the whole competition. I think. Is it is it true you actually tried to get Jonathan Tiffany to isolate so you didn't have to play him? <laughs> <laughs> I know I had to, locked him in a room. <laughs> Tiff, uh, he he had, he did have to self isolate, but he oh, did. Uh, he? Uh, <laughs> uh, but that was a bonus. The players were happy. But I went, Callum. Yeah, anything you want to ask? I know you've got a few things you want to ask the boys. Uh, um, obviously we've seen obviously the last couple of days without the, the Celtic manager job I've seen Rafa Benitez is, uh, in the in the lineup now do you think I've got two questions to ask about this do you think Rafa Benitez would change Scottish football and obviously to David who's the manager in, in Scottish football now, what do you think's next for Neil Lennon obviously you can uh, answer whatever question you want first uh, Benitez I can't I can't see Benitez come to Celtic to be honest I don't. I don't think Benitez would have the impact that Brendan Rodgers had. I don't think he's that type of manager. Um, personally, uh, I don't think he didn't make Newcastle particularly have to watch. I know he kept them up and stuff, but um, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Benitez would be right man for Celtic. As for Neil Lennon, I feel for him. As I say, do you feel for every manager? He's going through a difficult time and. Um, it was always going to happen at some point. There was no way Celtic would continue winning everything mm-hmm. year after year. It was never. It was never going to happen. And Neil Lennon's obviously the manager who's in place at the time when that success has started to deteriorate. They've lost the chance of a ten in a row, which seemed to be the be all and end all for Celtic fans. And uh, Neil Lennon's taking the taking the rap for it, but I feel for him. I really do. And, I can only go by, I've only met him a couple of times and every time I met him, in fact, he came up to me and shook my hand after we, we, I met him at Hamden one after we got promoted to Gretna. He, he'd never, he didn't have to and he came over and shook my hand and congratulated me. And that, that's, I've always, I've never forgotten that. I thought, what a, not, what a gesture for someone who doesn't even know, I didn't, he didn't know me. But, so in that respect, I, I'd like to see him getting a bit of slack I think I know he doesn't always come over as the the, the nicest guy in the world, but um, he's under a lot of pressure. As is the Rangers manager, Jerry, saying that I think you're in a goldfish bowl in Glasgow. That doesn't matter if the other if one side's doing well, the other one's always going to be under pressure. And unfortunately for Neil at the moment, he's the one that's under pressure. But um, will he come through it? I don't know. I hope he does. I hope he does, but I'm, I'm not so sure he will, but I hope he does. Yeah, when, I, when, I asked, when I asked you about it, I said, Rafa Benitez is actually one to six to get the manager's job, and Eddie Howe's two to one. Do you, and John Kennedy's nine to one and Jack Ross 12. Do you think they would go the cheap option, the likes of going for John Kennedy and Jack Ross? That's to Mark. I'll go to, do, do, to Mark. I, I think the way Celtic are in a, I think John Kennedy should just be as much part of the blame, whether whether Lennon's obviously carrying the can he's the manager, John Kennedy's the assistant manager, so surely he's somewhat involved in, in this as well. It's it's not just all Lennon and, and John Kennedy's just, just helping him pick set out goons and that. I, I don't know whether John Kennedy's just 
guaranteed the job, obviously, with the bad injury, and they, they've just they've kept him there. But surely, I'm, this is just my own view. I'm not really a big fan of if uh, like John Kennedy's in there working with him. Surely, surely he's just got to take as much stick as it's different if the manager leaves off his own back and then somebody else steps in. But if the manager gets sacked, surely, surely the assistant and whatnot is, is got to follow. Just do you think? Opinion, do you think Rafa Benitez is going to take? Is giant Rafa Benitez is going to? They're going to be able to pay Rafa Benitez the money they'll need to. I don't think they'll be able to pay that. the money. I they, think he'd want more they, money than Rogers would be. I think that as well. Uh, uh, I th- I think it's a, somebody like no no necessarily him with the style of play, but somebody of that stature. Yeah. Like. Uh, like a high name to, to get the fans buying tickets and, and et cetera again if they go and uh, same with Eddie Howe I think Eddie Howe will give them a new kind of lease of life fans will be like oh, it's a kind of a new era almost whereas if they, they go for somebody I don't think they'll go for Jack Rossi uh, has Larson not been mentioned after, as well? I was, I was reading I through the list there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of names on it but uh, I think Eddie Howe is probably the one that, the more realistic option uh, the, the both of them, but as I said, I think it's a, a name, a kind of a big name that they need to to get the fans back on board again. Yeah, I think it would have to be a if if Neil Lennon goes, I think they'd have to appoint a big name. I don't think, no disrespect, I don't think Jack Ross is a big enough name for Celtic fans. I think mm. you're right. I think it's you're looking at Eddie Howe, that kind of manager, a Premiership manager. To come up to to see, I think it's have to be that out if Neil Lennon goes, but Aye. yeah, he might, he might survive this. The pressure on Neil Lennon is is ten. See if see if this was three years ago and, and there wasn't as much pressure as ten in a row. It, it would obviously be getting stick and there would be some fans calling for his head, but it wouldn't be no one near like what it is to know just because if what's right. at stake. That that's probably. The thing that that's the worst about it all, just because so much is at stake, and obviously he's he's front and center of it, so he's gonna get the gonna get the slack. I actually feel sorry for him a wee bit, just because he, he how much stick that is actually coming his way. Just be, it's it's because they almost the supporters of the club were almost felt as if they had this. It was just a matter of getting it over the line, whereas mm-hmm. they, they they didn't realize how much you kind of. A dog fight they were gonna gonna bring for it was almost as if even before uh, they won the league last season and that it it the the focus was already on this season before that that season uh, I think that's that's what's the biggest letdown for them they they thought they kind of had it in the bag almost definitely Carl yeah now you want to add uh, no I was going to ask uh, David a question I just want to ask see when see how you're the manager of Stenhouse now just now do you think do you think the way the week caused the leagues have been stopped? Do you think that because of COVID and all that, people have decided like they fought to themselves, oh, we don't know really want to to go up and try and keep in a, a a chance of getting trying to win the leagues and stuff? Do you think actually your team could go on and play like a championship level as well? Do you think your players have got that ambition in their actual in their cells at the moment because of the COVID and stuff? Do you think they've got that ambition? Yeah, I think when the I think to be fair. To, most players, I'm sure, they've all they're playing at a good level. If they're playing senior football, you like to think they've always got that ambition. Um, I know it's difficult. Uh, the stop-start seasons we've had this year and last year, but I'm quite sure it's not affected the players' ambition. 
I'd like, I hope not anyway. Um, it hasn't affected my ambition. I still want to be successful and try and win leagues. But from a playing perspective, I know how difficult it must be for them because they've got to keep training. They've got to keep their levels up, you know, albeit on their own. I've sent, we've all got training programmes to follow it. When you play football, and you guys will know, you play it as much for this camaraderie and the team, you know, you're you're in amongst a group and you, you can push each other on, you can motivate, help motivate each, each other. It's not a, it's not an individual sport, it's a team sport. That's been ripped away from us at the moment. They're having, yeah. self, having to train on their own and it's not easy, but, you know, I'm, I'm quite sure every club that's affected by it will have the same problems and I feel for the players, but um, as I say, hopefully they'll we'll get some kind of target that we'll be able to get back sooner rather than later. Do you do you think it's realistic and enough that the season will get back and, and playing and play to finish? Do you think that's practical enough just with the current circumstances? Do you think without it getting st- stop started, players isolating? Do you think it it's at a point where they can just go right? We can just forget about it now because of what's going on. Or do you think it's realistic enough to to get back up and running and, and get all the games played? Just be obviously you're saying guys are part time go to their work. There's there's so many people traveling, go to their work, coming home to their family, then go to football with so many different people. For me, I just think there's too many complications with all just now to to get it up and running and and get it finished, played up to finish again. No, listen, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of real logistical problems. I look at teams like Elgin are in our league. I mean, if they're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. You know, the team, you know, Annan are in the league as well, Strindler, there's a lot of travelling for clubs. And it's physically, it's it's no easy to get boys to get time off their work, at, you know, mm. to get all the way up to Elgin or wherever. So, I, no, you're right. I think there's, I don't know how they're going to do it. If it, if they do decide just to say, right, you have to, we finish the games and we only do that by playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, that's going to be really difficult. We'll not be able to train. Mm. You know, it's like being part-time. How do you yeah. train when you're playing? So it'll just be a case of turning up and playing games just for the sake of getting the games finished. Mm-hmm. And I think that's affects the integrity of the competition. You know, there'll be some clubs that, at some stage, there'll be clubs that are playing meaningless games. They'll not be getting promoted. Mm-hmm. They'll not be getting relegated. And it'll just be a case of fulfilling fixtures, which nobody likes to, no matter what level, you don't want to just be turning up just to fulfill fixtures. You need to have, that element of competition has to be there. You know, mm-hmm. David, David, does it not annoy you the likes of you, the, the Scottish League one and League two can't be played, but the likes of you can play UEFA, UEFA, UEFA Euro qualifiers and uh, Europa League Champions. Does that not annoy you why the likes of two leagues in Scotland can't be continued played, but European competitions can? Do you not think that uh, does that not annoy you and your squad? Ach, it does, it does, but you know, when you, it just doesn't make any big... sense to me. It doesn't, I don't think there's any sense. A lot of what's happened this last year doesn't make sense. You know, I think football, should football be getting played at all? You know, when the people, the amount of deaths we've had in this country is absolutely ridiculous. And we're still playing football. You know, I think if our level, why should the, I know it's all about money and they're trying to say it's keeping, giving the public something to look forward to, having games on TV and stuff, but to have our games stopped, I think I didn't think there was any need for it if they were allowing the other leagues to continue. 
Mm-hmm. I think if our league stop, I think all leagues should have stopped if they were stopping yeah. any leagues at all. But obviously, they needed some kind of. I think they stopped League One and Two particularly just to try and soften the whole Celtic carry on. I think the government needed some kind of sacrificial lamb, and I think we were that. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was such an outcry about Celtic going to Dubai. I think they needed to do something. And I think the easy option was to stop the lower league football rather than the Premier League. So, but, well, there's people at my club that have lost family members over COVID. So, to me, football's irrelevant when there's people losing their lives. And should we have had any football in this current climate? Probably not. But yeah, that's, that's, just what, that's what I was like at the start of our season. Our players had a vote to see what our opinion was about our, our level starting in, in the West of Scotland League. And I was one of the players that says that I don't think it, it should start. I don't think it, the decision was going to be based on the players' vote, but it was just to get our thoughts. And I, I was just like, it's just too complicated, for, in my opinion, to for players, especially going to go, coming into November months and, and we're playing away from home and, and a muck hole and then we're not going to wash coming home uh, to our family who's got to work. I just thought it was too many complications, especially with players maybe isolating and then say, if we're training and I have, and then I say I have to isolate, surely our whole team has to isolate and then we're missing too many, then we're missing a couple of fixtures and then we have to catch up at the end of the season. I just thought there was too many complications uh, Throughout the throughout the process to for us to be playing and eventually the club the club ended up pulling out themselves just because because the the reason but the reasoning was uh, players' health and safety at risk and I agree with that I just especially at our, our level where you're not able to get tested and, and things like mm. that fair enough at, at a full time level where they're in every day they've got the resources and the finances to test uh, players two and three times a week but at our level. I just didn't see at this current stage why why football needed to go ahead. I know it's a, a getaway for a lot of folk with mental health and stuff like that, but is there really a need for for Auckland Talbot the the tier six to to be competing when there's a global pandemic going on? I don't I don't think so. Yeah, definitely. That will that will wrap up this show for this week. I just want to thank David for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to welcome you on. I hope you've enjoyed it. No, absolutely. Thanks very much, guys. Nice, nice to speak to you all, and just hope you all stay safe and well, and we get through this. Definitely. Just want to thank. Thanks very much. I just want to thank Callum and Shankers for coming on as well. Absolute pleasure as always. I I know what he's at. Looks like I'm worse Liverpool getting beat anyway, so that's all right. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Stay tuned to social media as well. We'll be we'll be keeping that. We'll be doing maybe a few things during the week as well. So please stay tuned for that. But thanks very much for watching and listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers.